0: So, as some of you may have known, um, week before last, I had an opportunity to go to a clergy gathering um, in New Orleans. Insert your own joke at this point. a bunch of clergy in New Orleans down in the French district. But, as we got there, we I entered into the hotel that the conference was at, and Immediately, I kind of scanned the room because, you know, you go and you get your little lanyard, you know, that has your name on it and all that stuff, where you're from, and you check in. But as I scanned this room, there were just a 100 people running around, of which I knew probably about 20 or 30 of the, of the pastors that were there. But I had not seen all but two of them in approximately five years. We just haven't gathered. Um, We haven't been together for General Assembly and these kind of things. So I hadn't seen them in a long time. So I have my lanyard on and I enter into this room and I see one of my colleagues that I have known since he was a youth minister in Kentucky years years and years and years and years ago. I stick out my hand. I shake his hand. So good to
1: see you. He says, So good to see you. How are you doing? doing all right. What have you been up to, he asks.
0: Okay, now tell me, do you guys go through this same mental gymnastics that I go through when somebody says that? How are you doing? What have you been up to? Because the initial thing is, I'm like, I haven't seen you in five years. Let me go through just the last three weeks. My son had a small procedure. He went into the hospital. He had emergency surgery. Now he's on antibiotics. My daughter's a senior in high school. She did Distinguished Young Women. She, I mean, I could give the last three weeks about an hour's worth of time. And that's just personally with what I'm going through. How are things going? Do you run through the question of do these people really want to know what I'm wrestling with my own, with my own head? I'm reading a book right now called Ministry of the Future, And it's a novel, a piece of fiction, but it thinks about how climate change would affect our world in the future. So I'm consumed with that right now, all the stuff that's going on. So does does he want to talk about that? Does he want to have a sit-down conversation in which we discuss the things that are going on and the things that I'm carrying in the back of my mind that I'm wondering about for the future of the whole human civilization and for our world? Or do we just want to talk about the weather, and about how it's going to be hot and humid? And I went out to run this morning, and I came back, and I was really sweaty. So I'm going through these mental gymnastics. How much does Kelly want to hear today as we're standing here with our lanyards, and I've just entered into this space? I chose, I'm doing really well. It's so good to see you. I'm still at White Oak Pond in Richmond, Kentucky. Kids are great. McKinsey's a senior in high school, and Beckett is growing like a weed. It's so good to hear that, he says. We'll have to catch up later. Sounds great. I went on to the next person. But does any, do you guys go through this? Maybe you haven't seen somebody since maybe even the beginning of COVID. Maybe it's just been the beginning of the summer. And they're like, how are you? What's going on in your life? Those of you who have, have, have maybe had some travels, Maybe you've gone to see family that you haven't seen in a while. Maybe you went on a trip. You went to see someplace. You went to a conference. You did something. Does the person really want to know all of that
1: stuff that is in the back of our minds right now? Our story this morning comes from the book of Jeremiah. And for many people, it is
0: very, um, it's something that people remember. It's something that's very familiar to them. It's the calling of Jeremiah. And it starts off by this beautiful text of God speaking to Jeremiah as a boy, saying, I know you. I know you to your very bones. I've known you since you were born, since you were conceived. I know who you are. And I'm calling you to be a prophet, to speak for me. It's a beautiful text. Churches love it, especially when they need you to do something. They pull this out. God knows exactly what you need to be doing, and so do I. I would like to tell you what you need to do in the church. But it's this beautiful calling story that that engages us and, and reminds us that God is with us through this process. But as many times the case is, when you find a tiny piece of Scripture that somebody pulls out, it could just be a a short little phrase,
1: this one has a little bit more behind it. Because it seems that this is at the very
0: beginning of the book of Jeremiah, but it's not. If you notice, there are three verses that are not included in this one text that come right before it. Most of the time, people ignore that because it's got these really hard names, and it would have been really unkind for us to put that to Delinda, for her to have to mention all of these kings and rulers and people. You know, those are the names that we stumble over in the Bible that we're like, oh my gosh, come on, let's get to the story. But it's interesting because what that does is it tells us a little bit about what's going on in the back of Jeremiah's mind. Because... I know this is going to be hard for you to grasp, but in Jeremiah's world at that time, the country is just in a shambles. Okay? They're having difficulty talking amongst each other. Those that are ruling them, the kings and the chief priests, those who are the religious leaders, they are abusing their power. They are people that have lost touch with God and they've lost touch with people, and it just is a time of unrest. And it seems, when you talk to people
1: like Jeremiah, that they struggle with seeing God and the world around them. It's a really, really difficult time in Jeremiah's life. And
0: it's here that God comes and speaks to him and says, "I."
1: have called you to speak for me. As with most prophets in the Bible, any time that God comes to speak to a man
0: or a woman and says, I need your help, I need you to speak for me, the the first response in almost every single case is, I think you have the wrong person. Wrong number. I can't do this. I mean, Jeremiah has a point. He's a boy. He was a group of of people, little kids, that were pushed aside because they were too young. They didn't know enough. They weren't full human beings yet. How is it that Jeremiah, a boy, first and foremost, could speak for God? when most of those people that he would be speaking to, especially the people in power, would just dismiss him. Because he was insignificant, because he did not have work in their eyes. And second, Jeremiah had another really good reason. He said, I am a horrible speaker in public. There's no way I can do this. Two really good reasons. And God comes back and says, I know who you are, and I will go
1: with you, and I will give you the words that you need. It's tough. It's difficult, especially when we have all of this stuff in our world that is going on
0: in the back of our minds. When I talk to people now, and even at the conference that I went to, when I did get a chance to sit down around a dinner table or maybe out having coffee or maybe just walking through the streets of New Orleans and just talking to my friends, one of the things that I heard over and over and over again is everybody is tired. And not just kind of like tired, I can get enough sleep kind of thing, but like mentally weary. It's all the stuff that's kind of existing in our, in our world. It, it just can't help to get to us. That the conversations and the things that we see in the news and around our communities, it just wears
1: on us. And we just get to the point to where, oh my gosh, I, I just, I don't know. And pastors are feeling it just as much as you all are feeling it at the same time. And the thing is, we don't feel called.
0: We don't feel like we have the energy to stand up and to speak for God. Our responses really are, look, you've got the wrong person. I'm just not the right one. I don't have the
1: gifts that you need. I find that In my own
0: life, that when I get weary, when I get burdened in that way, when I've got all this stuff on my mind, that even making the little decisions can get difficult, let alone these huge, enormous ones of being called by God. I would much rather have someone tell me where to go, tell me what to do. I mean, the other day I was coming to church. I plugged in the address of the church into my GPS on my phone just so it could tell me how to get here, and I didn't even have to think about it. Of course, it gives
1: me that first question, do you want to go this way, or do you want to go that way? But I started thinking about it. And the fascinating thing about it is, is that what we are called to in the end
0: is instead of just being those people who follow the directions just like the GPS tells us, just doing the same thing that we did yesterday, doing the same thing from there on, is that we're called to be in a relationship with God that puts us into this place of being a pathmaker, of being a trailblazer, of understanding that we might not know exactly where we're going,
1: but we know who we're going with. Because I think that in the end, if we were to sit down and talk about what it is that we hope and dream for ourselves,
0: for our world, that we could agree on those pieces. Do we seek to, describe, to, do we seek to discover and to build a world that looks more and more like God, that is based in a place where every person has worth, where everyone is loved and valued, where people are treated with kindness and respect, when we love like Jesus loves, and when we share from our gifts, where who we are meshes with the way that we live our lives.
1: Where helping other people comes naturally rather than it's something that I have to really work at.
0: I think if we were to sit down and to put those things out there, we would say, we could really
1: agree on those things. The difficulty might be is how we get from this place to this next place. Because just as we learned last week,
0: in the story that Jesus interacted with that rich young ruler. Do you remember that story?
1: I I told him, you know, he comes and he says to Jesus, "How how do I inherit eternal life? At the beginning, we didn't ask this question. Why did the man come and ask Jesus in the first place if he thought he already knew the answer? And the thing I, I wondered about that this week was this.
0: I think that that rich young man knew where he wanted to get. He wanted to live this, this full and, and this full life enmeshed with God in a way that, that he understood who God was, that he was living in a way that his life had, had depth and meaning and service. He knew where he wanted to be, but he recognized that where he was was not, just not right. Even though he was living all the commandments, doing everything right, he had all the money that he needed, but he knew that there was just something that wasn't just quite right. And so he was asking Jesus, how is it that I get from here to here? How is I get from one place to another? Just tell me exactly what I need to do. And Jesus doesn't give him a specific way of going. Instead, he says, give everything up and follow me. If there's ever a place that is the beginning of, I don't know where I'm going, and getting to set out on a new path, that's what is the essence of it. Letting go of the things that we've had before
1: and stepping out into a new place. What would you be willing to lay down, to change
0: about your own life, to be able to give up, to take the next steps towards a world that looks more and more like God? What would you be willing to give up or change? When God spoke to Jeremiah, remember, the first and foremost thing is, I know you. God knows each and every one of us at the very depths of our being. And that implies and it names a presence that God is with us through all times and all places. No matter what is going on in our lives, no matter what it is that we're wrestling with or celebrating, God is there. And the second piece is this, that wherever you go, whatever you do, I will be there with you to give you everything that you
1: need along the way as we blaze this path together. Jeremiah's call and his ministry
0: is an example of what it means to live a life with purpose and meaning in a world where too many people just settle for doing what they're told to do next. I love the fact that this text is actually paired with seven. Because it does give us a bit of hope. Jeremiah is called. He fights the call. But God continues to call him even in the midst of that. And seven reminds us that he does find his way to the steps of the temple, to a place where he is speaking to the leadership, speaking to those in power, and speaking for God a word that gives freedom to the people that empowers them to take back hold of their faith, to take back a hold of who they are and how they interact with God, to create lives of depth and purpose and meaning and relationship with God. Let us go forward. May we all hear God's call And know that God will be with us every step of the way as we do this with God. Amen. Thank you for listening to the White Oak Pond Christian Church podcast. We hope that it's been a blessing to you this day. White Oak Pond seeks to be a place where we accept one person at a time to Christ's never-ending and forgiving love. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast so that you can receive sermons each and every week. And also rate us. It really helps. Thank you again, and may you know joy in powerful ways this
1: week.